So I've, I've got quite a bit of scripture that I want to read through today. So um, we'll go, if I go too, too quickly, please stop me if you, want to, if you want to turn and so on. You are more than welcome to do that. But uh, just in preparing the word for today, seeing that it's Father's Day and, and, and stuff like that, I was not prepared to come and stand here and say, well, this is the perfect father because that I ain't. And starting from there, as, as I prepared and asked God to prepare the word in me, it was, Lord God, what would you want to say? Because to have that father yet means he needs to be here. But still he's called us um, all as fathers, as grandfathers, as men to walk and lead in such a way that brings honor to him. And just so as we go into this, this is more it's for everybody. Yet there is certain distinct places that are for, for fathers. But it's more just of living life the way God wants us to live right, a life. Um, and I was actually in church last Sunday. And Henny Kater was, was, was preaching. And while he was preaching, he was sharing a story. And the words just came to me to be real. Okay, so sometimes this happens. And you in a, in a preach and you get a preach. But um, it was to be real. And I just want to use that topic this morning, real. And I'm going to give it words and phrases to it. What it means for us as Christians. What it means for us as believers. So to start off with, I want to start off with David. And it's, it's, these are verses that we are well acquainted with. Um, 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. I'm going to read it to you. And then also out of... Um, Acts 13. So, uh, it's, it's a verse that people love to quote. It's a verse uh, preachers love to, to point to. Where it says, he's a man after God's own heart. But I want to dig a little bit more deeper into that. And the surrounding parts of that. As we go into the word real. So, in 1 Samuel 13 verse 14 it says... But now your kingdom shall not continue. So Samuel here at this point is speaking to Saul. Saul has failed him. He's speaking to him. and He's speaking into his life. And God has already decided that David, the shepherd boy, was going to lead. So it goes on to say, The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be a prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. I'll come back to that. It, it goes on now in Acts 13 verse 22. It says the following. And when he had removed him. When Saul was removed. He raised up David to be their king. Of whom he testified and said. I have found in David the son of Jesse. A man after my heart. And then the, the key follows. Who will do all my now I want us to linger there for a moment. Who will do all my will? If we go back to Samuel, there's three things that, or two things that happens there. God seeks out. God seeks out David for a time such as this. All of us here, God seeks us on a daily basis as we seek Him out. And God promises that if we look to Him, we will find Him. But He's seeking in us a character reflecting Him. 
a character that brings glory to Him. So it's not just us seeking Him, but there's a seeking out of God in our lives. As we spend with Him, there's a maturity, there's a, a change, a character that takes place. And He seeks this in us. And, and this is sought in, in us through the things that we face. It says iron sharpens iron. There's, there's moments where you are placed in difficulties. But God knows that He's put in you these things. And He seeks for you to bring that out. Um, all the things that He has, has given you. Then it goes on to say, Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So we know God is a covenant God. And what He has given us, there's a command as we, we continue in the Scriptures. There's a command in being a father. There's a command in being a husband. There's a command in being someone of ethic and ethics and character when it comes to work. God, when the moment you call out His name and you become a believer, there's a command upon you to represent Him. To, to show to an unsaved world the love and the character of Jesus Christ. Now, who will do all my will? It doesn't say here for one moment, and we'll read as we continue. Not one moment does it say, you need to be perfect. You need to be the best. You, you need to be right all the time. doesn't mean you don't cry or you... It doesn't mean any of those things. It means to seek after the will of God. Is my heart focused every day in everything that I do on what God wants for me, what God wants for my family, for my kids. Am I praying into this? Am I praying into my, my marriage? Am I praying into life itself? It's that surrender, what God wants for me. So a, as we delve into this, I want to read an excerpt out of a book. I'm sure many of you probably have read it way before I read it. I, I read it this year, but it, yo, it moved me. And I'm going to try and let it not move me while I read it. But um, mm -hmm. uh, it's a story, uh, A Tale of Three Kings by Jean mm -hmm. Edwards. So it speaks about the brokenness and, and submission and authority. And it speaks about three kings, um, Saul, David and Absalom. But um, the, the person writes it from a, from a perspective, perspective of you going to see a play. So this play is going to take place on a stage and this person is sitting right next to you. So this dialogue is this person, Gene, speaking to you, explaining to you what's happening on, happening on the stage. Um, and it reflects the life of David, of Saul and of Absalom. And so we, we're going to jump. I'm not going to read all of it, obviously. Otherwise we'll be... Uh, to quite an extent, but just a short chapter from this. And just to set it up, this is where David has now been king and now his grandson has taken over as king. I cannot pronounce his name in English. You guys will have to help me when we get there. But um, anyway, th this is where it is. And there's a young sh soldier that has heard about the mighty men of valor that fought with David. And his dream, his dad told these stories and his grandfather told these stories around campfires and things. And he 
only wanted to be a soldier as he grew up. And now he's um, signed up and everything. And he quickly realizes that this isn't exactly the stories that he's heard. And that he's maybe needing to find a man, someone, because he cannot get to David. One of these men of valor that he wants to ask questions to. So this is where we enter the story. Two generations after the reign of Saul, a young man enthusiastically enrolled himself into the ranks of Israel's army under a new king, the grandson of David. He soon began hearing tales of David's mighty men of valor. He determined to discover if one of those mighty men might still be alive and, if so, to find him and talk to him. Though he calculated that such a man would be over a hundred years of age. At, least he, at last he discovered that sure enough, one such man still lived. Having learned of his whereabouts, the youth made haste to his dwelling. Anxiously, if not hesitantly, he knocked at the door. Slowly it opened. There stood a giant of a man. Grey. No. Whitehead and wrinkled beyond expectation. Are you, sir, one of David's mighty men of long ago? One of these men of whom we have heard so much. The old man surveyed the young man's face, his features, his uniform, for a long moment. Then in an ancient but firm voice, he replied, never taking his steady gaze off the young man's face. If you are asking if I am a former thief and a cave dweller and one who followed a sobbing, hysterical fugitive, then yes, I was one of the mighty men of David. He straightened his shoulders with those last words. Nonetheless, his sentence ended in a chuckle. Why you make the great king sound like a weakling? Was he not the greatest of all rulers? He was anything but a weakling, he replied. Then sizing up the motivation for the eager young man's presence at his door, he replied wisely and softly. Nor was he a great leader. Then what good, sir, for I have come to learn the ways of the great king and his... Um, Mighty men, what was the greatness of David? I see you have the ambitions typical of youth, said the old warrior. I have the distinct notion you dream of leading men yourself one day. He paused, then he continued reflectively. Yes, I'll tell you the greatness of my king, but my words may surprise you. The old man's eyes filled with tears. This is where I struggle. <laughs> uh, as he thought first of David and then of the foolish new king only recently crowned. I will tell you of my king and his greatness. My king has never threatened me as does yours. Your new king has begun his reign with laws, rules, regulations and fear. The clearest memory I have of my king when we lived in the caves that 
is that he was and lived a life of submission. Yes, David showed me submission, not authority. He taught me not the quick cure of rules and laws, but the art of patience. That is what changed my life. Legalism is nothing but a leader's way of avoiding suffering. Rules were invented by elders so they could go to bed early. Men who harp on authority only prove they have none. And kings who make speeches about submission only betray twin fears in their hearts. They are not certain they are really true leaders sent of God. They live in mortal fear of rebellion. My king spoke not of submitting to him. He feared no rebellion because, because he did not mind if he was dethroned. David taught me losing, not winning. Giving, not taking. He showed me that the leader, not the follower, is inconvenience. He shielded us from suffering. He did not meet it out. He taught me the authority yields to rebellion, especially when that rebellion is nothing more dangerous than immaturity or perhaps stupidity. The old man was obviously remembering some very tense and perhaps humorous episodes in the caves. No, he said, now in a voice with a touch of eloquence. Authority from God is not afraid of challenges. Makes no defense and cares not one whit if it must be dethroned. That was the greatness of the great, no, of the one true king. The old man began to walk away. Both anger and regality were evident in his bearing as he turned. Then he faced the youth once more, thundering one last salve, as far as David's having authority. Men who don't have it talk about it all the time. <coughs> submit, submit, that's all you hear. David had authority, but I don't think that fact ever occurred to him. We were 600, no goods, with a leader who cried a lot. That's all we were. Those were the last words the young soldier heard from the old warrior. Slipping back into the street, he wondered if he would ever again be happy serving <coughs> under Reboha. I, I think that's how you speak. So the reason I wanted to read that is that we are not called to perfection. We are simply called to love in the capacity God created us. Um, David was chosen because he was real. He was prepared to be him. He was happy in the skin that he was. And his heart's desire was only to do one thing, and that was to please God. Did he do that at all times? No. We know of the things that he did and the, 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 the things that he caught up in. But even in those things, he was not big enough as a king, to go and lie in front of God and cry until he knew his forgiveness was given. He was prepared to face 
the whole of Israel as long as it meant he was pleasing to God. And that's the challenge I want to bring to us this morning is in our lives, are we that true to ourselves? Are we that true to the, the ones that we share our lives with? Are we happy with being us? I think that's the first question this morning. And it doesn't matter what age you are. Or, there's always the struggle. You want to be more. You want to be better. You want to, are you happy with you? Are you happy with you? And what does that mean to be happy with you? Are you accepted of you? Um, I'm going to share something from just being me. And it might sound very hoo-ha-ish or whatever the case may be. But I cried very easily. For the slightest thing. I, I get moved and I cry. And for many years, it's been an obstacle in my life because I felt like, geez, dude, you're a man. You should not be crying so much. You, you, should be, you should be strong. You should be this. You should be... No, I shouldn't. Who I am is who God created me to be. And, and that place of, of feeling and being in the moment is something that's unique to me. And it took me many years to get there. So I'm not saying just cry for everything. I'm not... <laughs> but be in the moment. And if you do want to cry, you cry. If you, if you want to... Just be, if, if I can say that. There's not many words I can describe, but just be. But accept you. Because there's a freedom in being you that God created you to be. Um, and I promise you, the moment that happens, your relationship with God just takes a turn for the better. And you cannot explain it, but um, yeah, there's a coming together that's just beyond, beyond words. So... Real. I'm just going to read this from you. So a lot of what I'm saying I will read from you. But what does it mean to be authentic or genuine? Authentic, genuine, bona fide means being actually and exactly what is claimed. Put simply, authentically means you're true to your own personality, values and spirit, regardless of the pressure that you are under uh, to act otherwise. You're honest with yourself and with others and you take responsibility for your mistakes, your values, ideals and actions align. I want to read this portion again. It says, you're honest with yourself, with others and you take responsibility for your mistakes. Your values, ideals and actions align. That is, that is what, what is typically said. Um, if asked in the world, what is it to be real? So to be me, to be genuine, I need to know who I am and be who I claim to be. It is paramount. The truth is all that matters here. It is what sets me up for life. I want us to t uh, turn our Bibles, if you've got them, or you can go onto your, your, your phones, to Galatians 3.26. So, so there's three things that I am. That is a surety from God that I find my identity in. Number one is I am a child of God. And I know we've heard this phrase so many times. I am a child of God. But just for a moment, think about it. You know what it is when you go sit on dad's lap many years ago. 
Okay, not, not today, maybe you still do it today, but many years ago, you go and sit on la dad's lap or mom's embrace or grandmother's embrace. You're part of something. You're part of that warmth, that, that embrace, that belonging. I am a child of God. Every morning I wake up, there's an embrace from heaven, from God himself, with me, with each and every one of us. He loves us so intently and intentionally. I think it'll shock us to see um, with how much He loves us. So this is not just a, a simple phrase or an empty phrase. This is, I am a child of God. My identity is found in that. So Galatians 3.26 says, For all you are children of God to, through faith in Christ Jesus. So by faith, by accepting God, by reading the Bible, by hearing where we are from, by hearing we've got to confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we find ourselves being His children. In Galatians 4 verse 7, which is just the, the following chapter, it says the following. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Wow. To go from slave... In a choice that's given to me to his child. And then, and since you are his child, God has made you also heir to him. So I don't just go from, from nothing to something. I go to being an heir with God. I am his child. That is my identity. I belong to him. Two, I am his servant. In Galatians 1 verse 10, it says the following. Am I saying this now to win the approval of people or God? Am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. I love this. Because we, we, we all stumble at some stage in our life. Growing up, even now, you, you stumble in that thing. I want to please people. I want to be accepted. I want to I be liked. I want to be approved or whatever the case may be. And it, and it runs from family to family. It runs from business. It runs from... We just want to be liked. You know what? If it's about people and their opinion, which we do value. We value those we share life with. But God is the one that carries weight. Nobody else's. And if we... If we put that as, as our acceptance of, of serving and pleasing, that we want to please Him, I promise you, all those other things will fall into place with all the people that we have relationship with. Because our relationship is based on what it ought to be. Pleasing God, no man. You will never be able to please everybody. It's impossible. But how wonderful it is that we get to please God and He's pleased by everyone. Then number three, I'm live, I am a living sacrifice. Romans 12 verse 1 to 2. I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Uh, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. 
You see, when we start living for God, there's many things that we need to start saying no to. Many things that we know, if we continue in this, and if we continue in this, this does not add to our life. And it becomes a life of sacrifice. But in that, in that, there's a newness that is birthed. A, a relationship with God and those around you. Again, that words cannot explain. Because you're following and you're in the purpose and the will of God. There's such a peace that surpasses all natural understanding. That when you're faced with certain things, people will look to you and say, well, he's going to lose it now. He's definitely, with everything that's going on, there's no way he's going to keep it together. And yet in, in all of that, you keep it together. And that's when people start reaching out to you. How is it? How is it with all of this happening that you just get going? That, that opens up the opportunity. So our, our life of sacrifice becomes a way of ministering to those around us because it highlights the difficulties, yet it highlights the character and the maturity we do life with. And we know that He's got the best for us. We know that He's faithful and that He doesn't fail. I love that song. Firm foundation. He won't. He won't fail us. There are moments. There are moments. I might have shared this uh, previously. A few years ago, literally losing everything. I remember one day coming from work. Oh, well, not from work. Fetching Rusty from school. Because I did not have a job. Because I could not get one. Because being a pastor for so long, people did not want to give you the opportunity. But I remember I got in the car. And she, she made the phrase, said the thing, why don't you work like other daddies do? And that cut to the core. Because you're trying and you're trying and you cannot explain to your child. People don't. But anyway, I got home. And where we lived, there was a, a garage. And I, I walked in and I locked the door. And for three hours I cried. I was mad at God. I shouted. I screamed. I cried. I did all of it. But God was with me in that. Me being real. Me being real. And afterwards also saying, Lord God, sorry for using the language I did. But the thing is, God just wants us to be real. And he knows. Christ walked upon this earth. He knows. And there are many sacrifices that you face and that you go through. And some you don't even put your hand up to. But you need to go through it because God has a plan and a purpose. And there's certain things that need to fall off us for us to move on. And we don't know what it looks like. And we're eager to put up a hand. Lord, more of you. More of you. But know that the more of you sometimes hurts. But it's okay. It is okay. Seven years on, I get to do this again. God is in everything that we go through. I'm, you must chase me if I'm too slow. Eh? The second one is example. So real, being real. We've, we've looked at the example. Yeah, I just want to read scripture if that's fine. Because I cannot say it the way the Word of God says it. We'll look at, at further things. But here I just want to read. You can write the scriptures down if you want to. You don't need to page. There's about seven or eight of them. But as I read it, just let, let the Word fall into your heart. 
about what it is to be authentic, what it is to be an example of Jesus Christ. Uh, I want to start off with 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 that says, Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Now the setting of this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians of all the gods and all the sacrifices that takes place and the food that they put in front of this one and the food that they put in front of that one. And all of this carries on. But he's making the statement at the end as he speaks to them. He says, imitate me. Do as I do. Now that's quite bold from Paul to say, do as I do. Yet he knows do as I do because I follow Christ. I might fall, I might fall, I might stumble, but I'm real in being me. And what you see me doing, do it as well as we follow Christ. Let's do it together. 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, we know this very well. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. We are called to be examples in all of these things. Will we be able to do it every single day 110%? No. But God is with us in all of that. And there will be those days that how we set it and how we are real with those around us. That opportunities will come up and arise and we get to share. Because that's the, the ultimate thing. Is to share the gospel with those they don't know. That is it. 1 Peter 2 verse 16 says, Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as servants of God. Live as servants of God. John 3.15, Jesus speaking to his disciples saying, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Spending time with Christ. Just the way he woke up in the mornings with prayer, setting an example, sharing the gospel, putting what God wants first um, in everything that he did. What an example. Proverbs 22.16 um, as parents, we love to use this, or it's been used so many times. But train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Something that, that, that we've learned and, and that, that we've been taught is this, that leading by example is caught, not always taught. It's more about who you are in your daily life, because your kids are with you. Like, yeah, it's, it's easy to set up a, this is who I am, and this is what I do, and this is what I... But at home, 24-7 with each other, come on, you see the best and the worst of each other. And it's the way we live life. Um, are we prepared to say sorry? Are we quick to repent? Are we quick to say to our kids, hey, I was out of line. I shouldn't have done that. Are we quick to be there? This is not how we do it as a family. That's, that's when the, the rubber meets the top. It's caught more than it's taught. 1 Peter 2 verse 12 says, Live such good lives. I love this. Live such good lives. It doesn't say perfect lives. It says good lives. Among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. So as we live, 
We are examples. We, we, put, we are heaven's representatives here. God's representatives. And as we live these good lives, loving, caring, serving, those around us see and acknowledge that and God's given glory. The last scripture is this. Titus 2 verse 6 to 8. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. Again, not perfect, what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. So we need to live a life. Doesn't matter what people say or what judgment is out there. We need to portray Christ at all times. So that at the end of the day, they, they cannot say anything bad about us. God is glorified through that. So that, those are a few scriptures of just being an example of Christ. Of who He was and who we are called to be. And I'm sure you can add another 10 or 15 of them. But those are just the ones I want to highlight. But the idea here is just, um, if not for somebody that took the time to be a a representation of Christ, I would not be here. Someone cared enough to be portraying Jesus in such a manner that it caught my eye. And it gripped my heart to such an extent that I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And that's the onus on us. Then A, adventurous. I'm going to read this because I won't say it as good as I put it down here. But the adventure of living in and by faith is found firmly in our foundation of faith in God the Father... God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Faith as we know it is rooted in this statement. You cannot have faith that moves mountains, parts the seas, heals the blind and sick, calls the dead to rise and overcomes all the troubles and difficulties of this world if one does not, by faith, acknowledge the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ, and the resurrection. Submitting and following Him, Jesus Christ, is and will always be our greatest adventure. And for this, faith is our foundation. Faith is is our place of adventure. Believing and accepting by faith what God has done for us changes our lives from the instant we believe. By faith we accept God's love for us. And that lays the foundation for our identity as Christians. I want to read this, this portion here just as, a, as an encouragement, as God promising, as we step out in faith and do what God has called us to do. Because how many times have we stepped out in faith where God is saying, do this, go there, um, and you don't know what the this is and the there, but you are doing it because you just know that you know that you know. God spoke to us a few years ago, just about certain things that needs to change 
in our lives over a December period. And he gave me John 21. And he said, go and do what you know to do. I will take care of the rest. And if you, if you read John 21, it's, it's such an intentional portion of scripture where it highlights Jesus standing on the beach again and Peter, Andrew and John is in the boat and again he tells him to throw it to the side and he says bring the fish so that you can go feed the nations. But when they get to the beach, Christ has already made a fire and there was loads of fish already on, on the fire. There's provision. And this is what God said to us. There will be provision, but I'm, I'm asking you, encouraging you to take on this adventure and step out in faith. Step out in faith. Trust me. And at that stage in our lives, this was a huge thing to ask. Because Lord God, what you're asking us to do is to trust again after what has happened. How do I do that? How do I know that I'm hearing you? But this is the journey that you, you, you on and you go through. And then there's that intentional moment. And that's what settled it in my heart. Um, it was where they were sitting. And in, there was this intimate moment of Jesus looking at Peter. And asking him three times, do you love me? And, and in that moment, God just gave me this picture of... Jesus literally they're just lifting up this Peter's chin to look him in the eyes because I think after what has happened and he denying him I don't think it was easy for him to look Jesus in the eye yet there was a restoration that took place and in that moment I knew God is about to start restoring but it's going to it's going to take us as a family to trust so it is an adventure Walking with God is an adventure. And sometimes there's, there's things that don't go as they ought to. But God works all of that to the greater good. I want to read you Psalm 37. Please go read the whole song. It's, it's, it's so powerful. But there's a few scriptures I just want to highlight in, in this foreknowledge. And then I'm almost at the end. Verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Again, do good. Don't be perfect. Do good. Dwell in the land. And I love this. Be, befriend faithfulness. That's our journey. Befriend faithfulness. Be faithful to what God says and put in front of us. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust Him. And He will act. He will act. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. Verse 23. When he delights in his way. When we delight in God in his way, his will for us. Delight in the word. He says, he will, he will establish man's step. Verse 24. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong. For the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously. And his children become a blessing. These are the promises that our Heavenly Father makes to us. He cannot lie. He's faithful. If he says this, that is it. We then just need to 
step out in faith and trust God. That's our part to do. But He's there with us the whole, whole time. The last part I want to do is L. Lead through love. Lead through love. The scriptures I want to highlight here is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 13 to 14. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. That's the command given. Carry yourself through your life like Jesus would. Leading with love first in all things. In all things. Let love be your guide in all things. Romans 13 verse 10 says, Love doesn't do anything wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is what fulfills the law. Love fulfills the law. Christ came to fulfill the law so that he could usher in grace, forgiveness. Love is what does that. There are many things that follow serving God that we as believers are called to, but chief among them is to love one another. You can never go wrong in spreading love. You can never go wrong. Now, obviously, Father's Day, I was going to add the scripture in there. Um, Ephesians 5 verse 28 and verse 33 says, In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Verse 33, Nevertheless, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must suspect the husband. I love this portion. All I want to highlight here is that we as men are called to love. It's not the other way around. I think it, it's, it's very natural. That's, that's the gifting or that's the space in which God creates women. But we are called, we are given the instruction to love. To love those that we choose to share our lives with. To show love in, in, in the home. To show the love the Father showed us. That is on us. We are the bearers of that love. And we need to share that. 1 Peter 3 verse 7. Just again, just to enhance this that we've, we've just heard is, Husbands, in the same way, treat your wives with consideration as a delicate vessel and with honor as fellow heirs of the gracious gift of life so that your prayers, I love this, so that your prayers will not be hindered. There, there is something that happens when a husband and a wife comes together and they pray about something. The thing, again, God is a covenant God. He does not break covenant. And when we come together as husband and wife, that's covenant in front of God. And where covenant speaks and covenant proclaims and covenant um, prophesies, there's power in that when it's done together. And when we love our wives and we care and we are intentional and, and we do as we ought to and we come together and we pray, there's a power that the enemy cannot withstand. There's a prayer that is prayed that will have its, its, its ending in a way that gives glory to God. Ephesians 3 verse 7 to, 
17 to 19. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith to, to the end that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be strengthened to comprehend with all the saints what it's the width, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know Christ's love which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, when we embrace this love and we love, we get to be filled with the fullness of God Himself. That's a promise. The more we love, the more He ushers Himself in us. Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 2. I'm at, this is the last scripture. Be therefore imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love, even as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling fragrance. See, your lives of living in love is a sacrificial one. I love that portion where I read, um, where the man said, he taught us to give, not to take. It was more about the giving than the taking. It's more in the being there, and not the, when I serve, oh, and all of those type of things. It's more, I want to, because I love you. You're important to me. I care about you. This is one way of, of showing that and being that. It's a, it's, it's a way of showing that I love and I care for you. So with that thought, I'm just going to ask Anika just to play on the, on the keyboard. And I want just a moment. Just you and God, just to reflect on the things that we've looked. Just in being real, being an example, and having faith as the anchor to how you do life. But most important, love. Love. That breaks down every barrier. That kills every fear. Lord Jesus.